Welcome to Backlog Dialogues, the podcast where we dig you out of your backlog before it buries you. I'm John, and joining me as always are the flora and fauna to my Merryweather. I'm Jared, I'm only okay as long as it's not the live-action versions. And I'm Matt. I don't think I've ever seen the live-action versions, though. I did not see Maleficent either. How were they in that? <laughs> Let's just say character assassination, and when you're starting with characters that do nothing but bicker in the original, yeah. So what I am picturing is just like, all bickering, none of like any of the positive qualities that they're supposed to have. And also incredibly negligent child caretakers to the point of falling off a cliff. <laughs> oof. <laughs> oof. <laughs> Big oof. So anyway, today we're starting off with Sora's story. Which is a weird thing to say because this is all Sora's story, right? What was that thing that we just finished? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's not important. Plus two games back in the time were doing all sorts of crazy things, starting off with a story that didn't have anything to do with the actual story you're going to be in. I'm sure we'll never see those characters again. Look, if it's important, I'm sure Jiminy wrote about it in his journal. Oh, no. But before we can meet up with Sora, first we got to see Mickey getting off a train wearing a really special coat. Yeah, Mickey's magical express has stopped and he's gotten off. The smell proof coat. Yes, a special dark cloak that we heard all about back in Chain of Memories, but they're never going to mention part of that again. No one has mentioned it anymore, but I think Mickey just let one rip on the train. Good Lord, you want Disney to kill us. I would be very honored if Disney would pay such a level of attention to a Z-list podcast that they would send their ninjas at us. I just feel I, I just feel suggesting Mickey Mouse farted is a dangerous game. I was going to say, don't a lot of the newer Mickey cartoons get a little bit more naughty and edgy like that? There's this one there's this one really weird series I can't really explain. I saw a few of those newer shorts when I went to Disney World a few years ago. They were actually darn funny, actually. I think I did see the newer Mickey Mouse cartoon at one point, but I did not like actually see any or hear any dialogue because I think I was just like in a burger place and it was just silent. So I could just see the the animation was very good. The facial what? expressions are gold in that one. Holy yeah, yeah. Crap. It's the one with the very pale um, palette, like they pretty yeah. much have them in like the, that weird pale white. <clears throat> mm -hmm. And they have very thick lines on all the characters. Yeah, yeah. It did look like they were doing a lot more work with the animation and jokes. I just couldn't hear anything. I actually don't know much about this series, like what years it encompasses or how big it is, but it's just you kind of just see it every so often. I'm pretty sure I saw it back in 2011, I want to say. Mm-hmm. That sounds right. Mm. Well, anyway, um, Mickey's yeah. on a train. Yeah, Mickey's on a train. He just let one rip. And Sora is meanwhile is getting out of the mansion. Yep. So he wakes up out of the pod. The pod. He for some reason, he hears Rox's voice and sees a person in the darkness. You could us as the viewer. We know who it is, but someone very far off. So the details are kind of fuzzy. Sora doesn't know anything about this kid. Sora doesn't care. All Sora knows is Donald and Goofy are giving him a tackle hug on and waking up. Yeah, basically that voice completely replaced by the ones he remembers. Mm -hmm. And then they do a little dance, like just kind of hopping around in a circle, hands held. You know the one. Yep. They woke up a little bit earlier, probably because their memories were a little bit less fucked than Sora's. I mean, Sora was the prime target of the memory fuckery. Donald and Goofy were just sort of collateral damage. Uh, one more thing. I have a lot of stuff from my notes that I just made interesting comments here and there when I was playing the game this time around. And I want to share them every now and then. And so this is this one is from my notes on the scene. Sora jumps out and hugs them. And we are left wondering why we couldn't start with this. Open parentheses. Unless we grew to care about Roxas. Open parentheses, which I do. Open parentheses. And also Axel. Open parentheses. Because I played later games. Close parentheses. Close parentheses. Close parentheses. Close parentheses. You seriously count the number of parentheses you had to close. Fuck you. I'm a programmer. <laughs> of 
Did you ever have to do any assignments in Lisp in college? No, I did not have to do any assignments in Lisp in college. I am a C++ programmer because that's how you make money. <laughs> so since we know the last thing they remember was them in a field, they're trying to figure out why they're in a weird, featureless, glowy room. Boy, it sure would be useful if we had a journal to tell us what happened, huh? So let's check it. Mm-hmm. They remember for one of the few times outside of the side games that Jimmy exists, and he says there's nothing in it. Two words. Yeah. Thank Namine. One. Who's that? Two. Yeah. Why? Three. How? Yeah. All very useful questions we could have had written down the answers for. Yeah. Like, Jim, Jiminy is a very poor note taker. He probably flunked a lot of classes in college. <laughs> and to prove that, they, they completely put it out of their heads almost immediately so they don't know what it means. Yeah. These two words mean absolutely nothing to them. They like, well, maybe something will come up about that later. I don't know. But adventure Fuck it, into the memory hole with everything else on into an adventure. And also Jiminy's journal now has way better features for insane completionists like me. I love games that make it easier for completionists. Thanks, journal designer. In the first game, Jiminy's journal was pretty rudimentary. It still had all the things that you would probably want, and it still completed things with a little lucky emblem. But here, I think it's a lot better. Like, it has complete sections on characters. It has a full story recap for every world you go to and how the stories line up. Has a album of various cutscenes and pictures. It has a list of every single treasure in every area that populates as dual areas open up in the world. You get maps. There are actually maps in this game. Yes, fuck yes, hell fucking yes. Even though the worlds are a bit more straightforward and not as complex in general. So, yeah, yeah, that's, we'll get to that. And then there's one little thing on there that is like, I don't get why it's in here, which is the character links. <laughs> I can't make any sense of it. I open up, it just has sort of random bunches, and it just takes you to the character profiles if you click on them, so thanks. Yeah, at least in, like, Xenoblade Chronicles, there was a little bit of a purpose for it. Even yeah, Xenoblade Chronicles character links is actually, like, a big old game mechanic-y map. This character links is a weird-to-navigate thing that's kind of like these characters are in a map together, and they're kind of connected. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't use it. It's not useful to me. Uh, so now that we very carefully dissected the progress meter of the game, we can talk about what happens next. Yeah, Sora, Donald, and Goofy decide to go off into their their new their new environs, which is Twilight Town. Despite their memory apparently being gone, Sora definitely has deja vu going through this place. Oh yeah, like Sora feels like he should know this place that he's never been before, right down to ending up at the usual place and meeting Pence, Hainer, and Olette. It's fun when there's multiple reasons for your strange deja vu that could be occurring. Yeah. It's funny because th those three actually have a little bit of deja vu as well. Mm hmm But, you know, a kid barge into your usual place, got a walking duck and a big, vaguely dog thing with you. Obviously a student. This is an anime. He's a transfer student. Yeah, they, yeah, they definitely do not comment on the duck and the dog thing. And this is also a scene where Goofy, like, strictly lays out the introduction order Sora Donald Goofy and in a way that becomes extremely forced throughout this entire game. Well, don't we know in this game that Twilight Town actually just has ducks outright living in it anyway? No, Twilight Town does not. Twilight Town's the most human town we've seen. Even Travers Town had random animal people. Oh, no, I'm thinking of, about it in Kingdom Hearts 3. I'm yeah, in Kingdom Hearts 3, Scrooge moves to Twilight Town. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because he got kicked out of Final Fantasy Land for greed. 
I don't know. <laughs> they figured that he would leave behind a spirit of greed to be Scroogeimus or something if, <laughs> if he got to stay there in his old age. Yeah, he's expanding his business empire. That's all right. But, no, there are no ducks in Twilight Town. What are you talking about? There's never been ducks in Twilight Town. Who ever heard of Final Fantasy in our Twilight Town? This is Kingdom Hearts <laughs> land. So anyways, have you talked to Cypher? Fuck. <laughs> well, you know, they shoot the shit a little bit with, with his weird new kid. They do admit they think seem a little familiar. Then they comment there was someone with big round ears looking for him. Mm-hmm. And because it's Disney, they know that no one else with big round ears would dare exist. It's the king. So either we can wander the city or which, you know, you've already been doing that for the last couple hours of gameplay or we can head right to the. Yeah, let's just I just want to get straight to that train station. Fuck exploring this town anymore. We'll be back. Too bad. Nobody's a bunch of dusks and creepers start spawning relentlessly when you reach the train station. And basically, you just keep half. You have to keep on fighting them until Mickey shows up to save you. Oh, and by the way, one thing we didn't mention is that Sora is level one again. Yes, because explicitly all of that memory fuckery just messed with all of his power. So the Moogle stole all, his, all the cards back, I assume. Cards only work in Castle Oblivion. Yeah, the cards only work in Castle Oblivion. They're an artifice of Castle Oblivion, so... Yeah, but they were apparently parts of his memory of crystallized, and the Moogle stole them back, and he just left with nothing. I didn't think you cared that much about the lore chain of memories. I did not remember that part. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember the things I got stuck on, and buying cards from Moogles was a big one. Okay, so you're saying that all the cards in Chain of Memories are crystallizations of Sora's memory, even the attack and the magic cards. Yeah. And so the Moogles are doing the exact same shit that the organization members are doing when they make the location cards. The Moogles are just making attack cards the same way. I assume that all the memories were scattered throughout the castle and they picked them up for the shop. I personally see the Moogles as part of Castle Oblivion itself, an illusion created by it to make it make sense for whoever's in it. I mean... Maybe the illusion is just something that's created by the person within it. So Sora has mind moogles. Well, yeah, Ah. there's a lot of things that our brain does to make sense of things that don't really make sense as part of the way consciousness works. Consciousness is more or less our brain stitching together an experience post hoc, more or less. Okay, but there's some games where those take the form of Moogles. That's making some games very, very (laughs) self-hating. Warrior Light is a masochist. Well, Sora did interact with a lot of Moogles in Kingdom Hearts 1 as shopkeepers. So he sees shopkeepers and he thinks Moogle. Yeah, okay, that's fair. And (laughs) technically the Moogles were a synthesis for him, but that still makes perfect sense anyway, because merging all the cards together to make slights... So, sure, Moogles. <laughs> I still just like say, saying Sora has brain Moogles. Brain Moogles. Or mind Moogles. Mind Moogles is better. <laughs> mind Moogles. So Mickey to the rescue. Yeah. I'm somersaulting out of the sky like Yoda from Attack of the Clones. Yep. And he has a reverse kingdom key. Yeah, it's the exact same key he, ha- he had on the other side of Kingdom Hearts. And just like being a complete and total badass shows up, tells SDG to take the last train out of town. And I'm saying SDG just because... If I have to say Sora, Donald, and Goofy over and over and over again, I'm going to lose my mind. Mickey's completely in silent badass mode. Like, they call out to him. He shushes them. It's like, I can't talk. Take this and go. Yep. And he and he handed them Roxas' money, which just seems really evil. Along with the blue crystal and yep. our first secret answer report. Yeah. We're getting answer reports a lot earlier in this game, guys. <laughs> so our secret answer reports, we are a little bit different, and it seems that with the voices involved, I'm the one who got elected for these ones. I'm sorry, Jared, these are pretty long. 
<laughs> I have made a grave mistake. My study of the darkness of the heart began with a simple psychological test and quickly snowballed. Spurred on by my youngest apprentice, Ienzo, I constructed a massive laboratory in the basement of my castle. Unbeknownst to me, my six apprentices then began collecting a large number of subjects on which to perform dangerous experiments into the darkness of the heart. As soon as I found out, I called my apprentices together and ordered them not only to cease their studies, but to destroy the results of their research thus far. What on earth was happening within the hearts of my six beloved apprentices? While pursuing the mystery of the darkness of the hearts, could they themselves have strayed into the depths? Yet I remain the most foolish of all for having begun these experiments. We are not meant to interfere in the depths of another's heart, no matter what our reasons for doing so. And my error plunged me into despair. A visitor from another world soothed my dejected soul. A tiny king named Mickey came wielding a legendary key, the infamous Keyblade, said to bring both chaos and prosperity to the world. He was very knowledgeable on many topics, and we deepened our friendship as we conversed companionably. Upon his advice, I decided to review the data obtained at my basement lab. That is when I discovered the Ansem's reports. Though they bore my name, the only one I had written was number zero. Apparently he had gone on to pen numbers one through eight himself. Yes, the first subject in my foolish experiments. Whew. That's a lot of plot. Yeah, we're yeah. really hearing something big all of, all of a sudden. Yeah, like the reports we all picked up last game. What was Answer Report Zero again? Uh, Did we get Answer Report Zero last game, or was there only one through uh, twelve? I'm not sure if we got a zero actually. Huh. Hold on a second. I want to go look this up. Funny thing is, no, there is no Answer Report Zero if you look up the list. Okay. Wow. What up, what up with that? <laughs> so essentially we find out that the Ansem Seeker of Darkness we know may not be the true Ansem. Yeah. From what it sounds like from this answer report, whoever this actual Ansem is is saying that one of his apprentices is faking being him and writing in his name about all this cool shit about darkness. Not necessarily his apprentice. He says he's the first subject. Oh, right. Yeah. He... That's all we have, though, is a he. <laughs> though we did hear about the apprentices, and apparently something big and bad went down. Yep. We probably know that the king that was referred to in the Ansem reports is probably Mickey as well, even though they don't mention but, his name. But it, then it implies that the Ansem, <laughs> the, one that we, the one that wrote the reports, was also friends with Mickey? Yeah, that's weird. Maybe not friends, but simply acquaintances. Well, also, keep in mind that fake Ansem is writing in the name of real Ansem. And so maybe he's just like, the fuck is Ansem doing with that little rat thing? Well, I got included in my forgeries. <laughs> I just gotta say, in general, it's really funny how weirdly cagey Mickey Mouse is being here. Mm -hmm. Like, he's being quiet, not quite paranoid, but incredibly cautious, and like saying, here's your drop. You need to move it. You never saw it. <laughs> My, my guess here is that when I first played this, my guess was that some bad people were after him and that if he stuck around, he would probably bring them down on SDG's head. Hey, fellas, I'm on the run from the law. Get out of here right now. You don't want to get caught up in this shit. <laughs> now I'm just imagining Mickey singing I fought the law. 
Don't ask me to sing in Mickey's voice. I can't do that. <laughs> oh, That's, maybe someday. I fought the Lord, the one. Not bad. That's just a falsetto, though. <laughs> no, hasn't there been, uh, you know, Western Mickey cartoons quite a bit? As in, like, Mickey, but in the general aesthetic of a spaghetti the wild west yeah probably i would have to i'd have to think i can't think of any specific examples but i'm sure they are up like that's the kind of thing that's just like of course mickey's fucking done that of course why wouldn't he's done everything so our trio gets on the mickey express to get out of dodge like mickey tells them to and sora starts to get wistful for roxas's memories all of a sudden and those kids who you just met five minutes ago also seem sad to see you go they even came to see us off which is funny because we you can tell just enough that whoever these kids were, they either didn't know Roxas or had their memories quite cleanly wiped either. We have this theme that memories are kind of metaphysical. Very much so. I think that would be a cool sidebar to go off into right now. Um, something that I've kind of noticed about Kazushige Nojima, the writer of Kingdom Hearts and also some other Final Fantasy games, is he has this real strong association between memories and magic, very specifically. Final Fantasy VIII is the first time where he really gets to cut his teeth. And while it's muddled in the translation, it's pretty clear that how drawing magic in Final Fantasy VIII works is basically tapping into the memory of that magic and using that to uh, obtain power on your own. And also, junctioning to GFs takes up part of your memory. In a really vague, undefined way, but it happens. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like this is kind of a Japanese take on another popular Western concept, which is arcane magic is something where you do something and it lives in your memory and then you can complete it and cast it out into the world to cast magic. Interesting. That's where, that's where like the spell slots in D and D comes. From. I've always heard it called the Vancean system of magic. That's it. I think that refer, and that okay. refers to an author, I believe. Yes. Vance, yeah. the fantasy author is named Vance. Got it. Heck the spell stocking in, uh, Final Fantasy VIII also sort of plays it into that kind of idea as well. Except it kind of makes it a metaphysical thing that you can yeah. put into your body or your mind. Right. But rather than just like a vague notion of a slot for spells, it's like a I have this much memory allocated to this spell. But also like even when for games that Nojima wasn't particularly involved with to begin with, like if you play Final Fantasy VII Remake, there is a much stronger association in the materia uh, to how memories work as well. Like materia is formed from the life stream. Life stream is the constantly recurring spirits of the planet. Magica is also born from that. And it's basically treated as the memories of the planet in Nojima's writing. That whole theme of memories and us being associated with magic feels like something Nojima in particular is really interested in. I think it's because of the fact that Nojima also associates magic with the heart and mm -hmm. Kingdom Hearts specifically, but a lot of other Final Fantasy and Square works tend to associate the heart with memory as well. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a it I would say it's probably in part just like a thinking about how magic works in old fantasy uh, tabletop games, but also like a very Japanese idea of um, a lot of more new agey ideas in general. Mm. Anyway, sidebar over. As we were saying, these kids seem like they're going to miss the guy they just met. They're not yeah. sure why. Yep. As you see, it all fits together well. Yep. <laughs> Makes perfect sense. <laughs> yep. So Sora finds the blue ball from the trophy. 
Yep. Finds a ball in his bag. Feels a little bit wistful. It's a what the fuck is this type thing. It's doubly sad because you just remember Roxas on the train not having his ball. All his other friends have balls for for ballless Roxas. But let's not go there. Thanks. Now, and now Sora has Roxas's ball. Well, that's that's enough of that metaphor. No. I want to keep the scene going. Unfortunately, oh, would you look at that? We're out of time. Now the train is flying out into space. So we end up being taken to a crazy wizard tower that kind of matches our crazy wizard train. Yeah. But before, we have to have one final scene as we exit out of Twilight Town. Let's run down the people that are in this scene that we get before we get to our crazy wizard tower. First up, we have Axel. (gasps) But he's dead. Again. Again. Like, I, I, I'm going to just say I do not think Axel actually can die. <laughs> well, he well, makes sure he makes sure to pull in front of someone new every time. So yep. I think that helps. Yeah. My, yep. my theory essentially is that as long as somebody didn't see him, you know, pull the trick, it can work on them. <laughs> Next up is Namine. OK. And the final one that we have is our friendly Ansem in air quotes. And they're all hanging out on Sunset Hill. And he's put his cloak back up, as I recall. Yep. Hood is back up. But the voice makes it clear he is Ansem, Seeker of Darkness. Yeah, apparently. But Hood up still matters in this particular case. And also, he's not actually a member of the Cloak Club, so so he doesn't have to follow their rules. The Hood can come back up whenever he wants it to. Anyway, three homeless nobodies <laughs> or something. Axel's like, well, that takes care of that. So now what happens? And now they notes they have nowhere to go. Yep. And Ansem comes along and Axel says, well, we know you're here to tie up loose ends and eliminate us, but asks if he'll find it in his heart to let him go. Mm. Heart. Hey, Axel, that's actually more dramatic than Axel sound. I would say it's like, so you're going to kill us, huh? Yep. Did you, uh, not maybe? This is just sort of like tying up the last loose ends from the Castle Oblivion story. Maybe. <laughs> well, because the cloaksum says that he owes them for Castle Oblivion and Axel's like, Okay. Yep. Axel and Naminé just get the fuck out. They won't look the gift horse in the mouth. They'll just get the fuck out of there. Well, that's that. That scene was cute and charming. Let's get back to Sora. Once they drop themselves off the crazy wizard tower, the train then vanishes behind them. Yep. And so right outside the tower, they meet one of my favorite characters in this game. It's Pete. Oh, my gosh. It's Pete. Classic villain of Disney himself, older than even Mickey Mouse in creation. He is basically... Muttering to himself outside the tower, he doesn't even notice SDG. No, I want to correct that slightly. He doesn't even notice who it was and said, what's going on? Because he's happily explaining everything to this person who just walked up behind him. Who yep. might I note was Donald Duck with the most recognizable voice in this entire universe? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pete is honestly one of my favorite characters in Kingdom Hearts 2. He is the best mook. Yep. He's going to send his heartless in and make that really powerful sorcerer heartless. He'd love to have that guy working for him. Yep. And so for my notes, one of the things that Pete reveals as he's talking to you, Pete has a history with Donald and Goofy, and he was banished to another dimension by Mickey. Fucking hardcore. I was going to say, isn't that like, was it Zod and Superman? He gets thrown out into space in the spinning square. Depends which uh, version of, of the mythology, you know, which uh, which franchise you're looking at. If, if you're thinking of the old uh, 80s movies, yeah. <laughs> in the 2D square, him and his two guys. Yep. Donald invoking Bojack Horseman wants to get know what is he doing here. Can I argue that Donald and Goofy don't recognize Pete from behind either? The, everyone here says this real recognition issue. So, OK, here's the thing. 
Would, would you want to recognize Pete on sight, given what he's wearing? <laughs> I would want to recognize the head time so I could walk the other way. I, I mean, again, again, if you see that outfit, which we are going to describe in a moment, but if you see that outfit from a distance, you are not going to care who is wearing it. You are just going to turn right the fuck around and get away. Let's not talk about the zipper, because that zipper goes from stem to stern. Yep. That is exactly the what I was going to bring up, actually. I mean, Pete's outfit is kind of reminiscent of Goofy in his full guard uniform. It's got kind of like his colors are a little darker, like they've been muted or, or tainted. But he's still got kind of like the bright primaries, the the shoulder, the shoulder pad armor, the straps. But as you said, he has a massive zipper that goes from about his belly button to about the same height up on his back. It goes yep. down to reach. Yep. The term I heard to describe it is zipper taint Pete. (laughs) (laughs) And that is stuck in my brain ever since I heard that. It's bad. I have the most charitable interpretations that that outfit might be hard to get off of quickly. So, you know, you got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. He also has a harness on. So, you know, it's we we, we're going to go full kink at pride discourse here, of course. (laughs) Pete's Pete is so happy to tell us everything. He's working with his old buddy Maleficent who busted him out. Yep. Apparently, he's been actually trying to do Maleficent's orders for the better part of the last year. But because we took care of Maleficent a year ago, he basically is just like been running around doing his own thing, I guess. And apparently accomplishing nothing. Yeah. And all he has to sick on us anyway are shadows, which <laughs> shadows. <laughs> Especially since his main goal literally seems to be gathering powerful heartless and he's managed nothing. Yep. He I has to say that at least Pete is a little bit more competent than, say, Oogie Boogie. Okay, Pete is more competent than most of Maleficent's allies from Kingdom Hearts 1 because Pete actually has focus. Pete actually, like, goes to places and does things rather than just, like, trying to do his own villain shit. Pete is way in over his head and doesn't really have the thinking man's power for this, but uh, he's not nearly as distractible as everyone else. He does just keep keep at his goals, at least. I like him. He's great. (laughs) I really like what Kingdom Hearts 2 does with Pete. We get more plot lines with Pete later. And honestly, they do a really good thing. I almost feel sorry for the guy. Yeah, Pete is going to be a really fun character for the rest of the series. And I'm always going to look forward to when we get to interact with him again. And when you claim that you toasted Maleficent, he really just gets a little angry. It's not like he freaks out or or even this, he doesn't even seem to miss a step. He just gets pissed and calls the shadows on you. He's very loyal, if, if nothing else. Yep. So we fight through the shadows and push our way into the tower, giving Pete no respect because he deserves none because we have a wizard to meet. Well, he even Pete let, let slip who it is that's up there, and it's Yen Sid. Yep, Yen Sid, the sorcerer from Sorcerer's Apprentice. I, I have an admission to make, and you can all laugh at me, but it took me probably two years from when I first played Kingdom Hearts 2 to realize that Yen Sid is Disney backwards. I cannot physically put a hand on your shoulder because we we're recording in different locations, but... I'm sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's the the Rika head pad at this point. We can't make that reference yet. <laughs> the, the story behind us is funny because the name Yen Sid existed from around the time of Fantasia itself. And word is at least one time when Disney was unsure of something he was signing on to, he literally just wrote his name backwards. Rhett Law Yen Sid, he wrote on like a sign off once. Retlaw Yen Sid. Adding in the Retlaw makes that a lot more sinister sounding than just Yen Sid. 
It really does. It also makes it sound like the term retcon as well, which is kind of funny to me. I don't know why. Retroactive law. <laughs> yeah. So I've established before how much I love Fantasia. So I know a lot of fun things about it. Like they always said that these sorcerers rather dark, scowly expressions at young Mickey are very much Walt glaring at animators who screwed up the expression. So we make our way up the rather short tower, just a spiraling staircase, fight some heartless, you know, the yep. usual. Yep. It's... It's a, it is our first sign that maybe the environments in this game are going to be a bit less involved than the last game. But I would say they look nicer. You got a lot yeah. less obvious boxes. You got more spiraling backgrounds. It looks like a space in reality, even if it's very small. The thing is, is that there's a few branching points, but critically, unlike Kingdom Hearts 1, it kind of realized they didn't really want it to be much of a platformer. You know what I mean? Yep. The platform is simple and there's much less amazing. We get to the top of the tower, we meet the sorcerer, and he has deep lore and refuses to let Sora return home because stuff has been going on that requires a Keyblade Master. Translation, we're up for minutes and minutes of exposition now. Oh my gosh, yes. Yen Sid just, like, doles out lore by the bucket load. He's just got all his brooms carrying buckets of water up the stairs, but instead of water, it's lore. I mean, remember, in this version, once again, he was Mickey's teacher, so Mickey was, once again, the apprentice at some point. But because Mickey is a Keyblade Master, this also means that Yen Sid knows shit about Keyblades. Yes. And he has lots to tell you about Keyblades, about the Heartless, and about the Nobodies. To start this off, Yen Sid drops lore on Heartless by claiming them as a person that yields to the darkness in their heart. So it's kind of funny that Heartless are not beings that do not have hearts, but rather beings that have had their hearts corrupted by darkness. Correct. And he demonstrates by making an image of Donald and turning into a Heartless. Boy, that's cold, dude. <laughs> so then he introduces nobodies as when a person with a strong heart or will becomes a heartless, their original body moves with a will of its own. Once again, Donald, see, that is the uh, demonstration. We got a shadow, we got a dust, they're both Donald. Yep. So I always, th- this kind of explains a lot of the metaphysics of the entire series right here in this one little speech. Because I kind of see this as the mind-body-spirit triad. You end up with this thing where a person needs a heart to exist, but some people who are extraordinary might have such strong will that they can continue to exist without a heart. Yep. Or, like, just to sum it up up from my notes, in other words, a heartless is a heart that is dark and a nobody is a body without a heart. Everybody got that? (laughs) And But Noah's neither the heart nor the body of the person, though. And it doesn't seem like they're half of it. They both seem to be unique things. Mm-hmm. Well, we do have that whole Trinity concept that various flavors of Christianity absolutely love. And oh, yeah. Gnosticism's version of that, more or less, is that a person is not their body, a person is not their mind or, or heart, and a person is not their spirit. But mm-hmm. rather, all three things are, in fact, the person at the same time. Yep. Everyone is a trinity. Points there. I just keep getting stuck in the fact that Yen Sid says some really harsh shit here. Yeah. What he decides to say about nobodies is that they only pretend to have hearts. So he just says that they don't have feelings. They only pretend to have them. And my understanding is that starts feeling uncomfortable as the series goes on. I mean, it starts seeming like that is a misconception that Keyblade Masters have had about nobodies. We actually already have that because Roxas has been declared a nobody. Yeah. And we just really watched Roxas kind of 
having well, all these feelings and emotions right yeah. there. His life destroyed in front of us, so already. And we've also seen Axel feel really shitty about the fact that he had to hurt his friend and being very upset that he couldn't save him. And completely breaking when he realized what was done to him. But in the end, Yen Sid finally is like, okay, also you probably need to know the name of our organization that we're dealing with. They're our organization... 13. Because they're an organization and there's 13 of them. I'm not so sure about the heart, but they don't have much creativity. Yep. Um, 13 is all in Roman letters, by the way. Mm-hmm. Roman numerals. I, I, I. Yep. And 13 is a very metaphysically significant number. It tends to be a very negative sounding number. Yeah. I mean, we um, all know the obvious one, but it's not just so, that. Like, but at the same time, though, at, the, at this time in Final Fantasy's history, the other game that is being made is Final Fantasy XII which goes all in on the Zodiac Braves from Final Fantasy Tactics, which, of course, was another 13. And I'm going to say this right now. When I first saw the Asians in Final Fantasy 14, I was like, who are these Organization 13 ripoffs? <laughs> <laughs> well, their cloaks have more spikes. Does that yeah. count? Yep. What were you saying about Yen Sid and just his constant stream here? Yeah. I mean, in the end, all that matters is Yen Sid is just a bunch of lore books and a cloak. And a nice hat. <laughs> Yen Sid also explains Mickey's Keyblade to us. All throughout Kingdom Hearts 1, we were led to believe that the Keyblade was more or less a unique object. And then Mickey suddenly shows up at the end having an inverted one. And mm-hmm. we're all like, wait, what? They kind of introduce it as the Keyblade of Darkness? Question mark. But not much is said about it. In this time, he calls it like the Keyblade of Dark Realm that Mickey obtained. What an edgelord. <laughs> yeah, well, round ears are pizza cutters. Oh, edge, no point. Wow. We kind of mentioned this at the end of Chain of Memories, uh, Riku's side, but I really like this weird contrast between what we know of Mickey Mouse and suddenly him having this kind of dark, edgy side where he's kind of like, I want to travel the, the Twilight Realm between light and darkness with you, Riku. That sounds like a great idea. I'm with you. And then finally, we end up being given new clothes by Yen Sid's friends, the good fairies from Sleeping Beauty. So the way it's pointed out to you, first of all, here's the the real reason we get new clothes. And there's the diegetic reason we get new clothes. The new reason we get new clothes is because Tetsuya Nomurg had new fashion ideas. (laughs) The the diegetic reason that we need new clothes is that Sora's old clothes were too small for him because he grew a lot in a year. The funny thing is, well, you can see it a little bit, but it doesn't seem as obvious as they act. Yep. They just looks he's wearing shorts rather than long pants now. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's not really that clear until it's pointed out to you. But then you're like, oh, wow, those shorts are really short. And, oh, wow. Sora lost a year of his life. Yep. The Sleeping Beauty Fairies, Flora, Fauna, and Meriwether, come on in to make Sora some new clothes. Which, like, is, the, is that the right choice to give Sora new clothes here? Is it really? They zap fight for colors. And, of course, each one likes their own color. I mean, exactly. We had this sort of plot scene where we're told all about the darkness of the world. And now we're getting a scene where these fairies are just arguing with each other and zapping you repeatedly and just palette swapping you every time. We had a bunch of lore dump and now we need some Disney bullshit to offset all the lore. Also, they're clothing with special vor powers because they let you eat your friends to gain power. Yep. Yeah, we'll talk about that in a bit. Let's talk a bit about his new outfit. It's always a struggle for me to describe an outfit. Basically, the whites are gone from his outfit. Like he used to have big white shoulders and gloves. Now he's wearing and the reds are muted, too. He's actually his main colors have gone very dark. He's wearing dark blues and blacks, including big puffy pants with what kind of look like chaps <laughs> again. 
I think Nomura discovered chaps in the course of going from Kingdom Hearts 1 to Kingdom Hearts 2 and just was like, oh, that's entertaining. Rather than big belts, he has more straps across like his legs and his his waist. He's wearing a unzipped uh, dark jacket or dark clothes. His shoes are kind of cleats now rather than the big the big clumpy shoes. Mm hmm. Also, just around the room, there are some mirrors with some cryptic shit written on them. The mirrors read, utilizing strength to its fullest. Utilizing magic to its fullest. Obtaining old powers. Possessing all abilities. Keyblade unleashing ultimate power. Overcome by power of darkness. What this cryptic shit foreshadows is the form change system that was alluded to recently about boring Goofy. Christ, every time you guys say that, I wince. So I shall at least try to forestall by pointing out there's an evil raven watching this. Yes. What is the raven's name? It's Maleficent's bird for movie. And of course, as Matt said, its name is Diablo. Is anyone surprised? No. Between that and between the cat and Cinderella being Lucifer, I'm mad they're both owned by the same voice actress character. Disney was kind of in a, a certain place at that time, weren't they? I mean, it's what is it? 1940s, 1950s? I would say 40s. It's 1940s America. You're not going to get away from that shit. It's unfortunate, but it's the truth. So let's be clear. No matter how you try to shorten it, it's the Valor form. Yes. Don't call it the other thing. I never was going to. I feared Matt. Yep. Our first one is the Valor form. And we get to dual wield Keyblades. Two. And honestly, it's a, when you see it work, it's similar to the fight Roxas have with Axel, the two Keyblade fight. So Sora holds his two Keyblades slightly different than Roxas hold his two Keyblades. He also likes to spin them around a lot. Yeah, I think the spinning happens off a lot more with his other forms, but like he still will like he carries both of them like on his back, like a dual wielding samurai type person. And this form likes to air juggle like shit. Yeah, like it, this form is all about smashing the shit out of things. You can't even use magic while you're in this form. Like, yep. It's a very good one for putting a lot of hurt on a single target and make and stun locking. And also, it's probably the easiest form to level up because all you need to do to level it up is attack. Yep. Which is all yep. it can do. <laughs> a lot of all of these forms have special ways to gain experience, which is actually a cool idea. Yep. You don't just gain experience by defeating enemies in them. You have to do a particular thing. Instead of a Valor form, it's landing hits, and the, and more hits you land, especially this is a form with lots of all sorts of rapid hitting, it really gives you that um, opportunity. And also, since this form has two Keyblades, it comes with your second Keyblade, the Star Seeker, which has a Sorcerer's Apprentice theme. I'd be surprised if it didn't. And so when you change form, you kind of switch color schemes. Sora gets all red, yeah. But of course, in order to access this form, as we said many times, you need to eat Goofy. Gorsh! Gorsh! Gorsh. And so also because it's final mix that we're all playing right now, a puzzle piece falls out of Sora's new pants. But the puzzle piece is like it's not actually a puzzle piece. It's one of those little crown emblems like the necklace Sora wore. This is a new collectathon element introduced in final mix where if you do crazy stunts with the traversal abilities that all the special forms get you, you will be able to fill in puzzles to get new items. You need to do this for completionism. There are a lot of puzzle pieces. Have fun. So we go back to see Yen Sid after the Raven shows up and they don't even notice. He was hanging out with the skylight. So, you know, at least he was out of sight. So Yen Sid lets us know that our gummy ship is here still. We're also just going to say we can open up gates to other worlds again. That gets around the whole worlds are separated problem. The worlds are separated forever. And eh, never mind. Only lawyers can stop paths from being opened again. Sorry, Tarzan. 
Never to be seen again. Never to be seen again. <laughs> memory hold. Memory hold. Speaking of memory holes, what happens next is, or after you leave, the raven returns to the fairy's room and drops Maleficent's cape, cloak, whatever, that she left behind when she died on the ground. Yep, freaks the fuck out of the fairies. They realize, wait, I remember that belongs to like, no, don't say her name. And then Candlejack comes back. I mean, Maleficent. No, come on. Candlejack doesn't exist. Bad news, Matt. We have to finish this one without. Okay, that bit's over now. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Candlejack brought us back. Is that a power that Maleficent classically had in in Sleeping Beauty? Is she like the sort of thing where. You know, as long as evil remains in the hearts of men, I will be it, back. It doesn't come up. I mean, I'm going to leave the live action entirely because that's okay, a okay. different idea. But Guys, guys, guys. We've established, however, that memories are magic. <laughs> that's true. Um, and so, so we just established that Pete and SDJ all were talking about Maleficent. It didn't do anything. There wasn't a raven with a cloak around, though. Hmm. Also, maybe it has to be by somebody who has actually re- related to the person in question. You need the memories to be able to junction the Maleficent GF. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> oh, Christ. Oh, no. Is this at all explained in world? Nope. Nope. Not at all? <laughs> Not at all. So we end up in the gummy ship and Chippendale get to fly to Hollow Bastion. Yep. So the Chippendale living in the like in, living in the ship's like a repair bay for a year with no one talking to them? Probably. Just trapped in the void of between worlds. Oh, God, it's so glad you're here. But since they see Donald, they're going to prank the shove him like always. Yep, of course. So we kind of get the universe map again. Rather than a vague star rating for worlds, every world now just shows you what the expected level is for things in that world. Which I think is kind of nice. Twilight Town is sealed off from us now. We can't go back. And I think they even say as much. They some reason they can't. Like it vanishes from their scopes. But we can go to Hollow Bastion. And we should because Pete's already beat us there somehow. Can Pete use those dark portals? Because do we ever see him make one? I think he can use them. I am trying to remember if I've ever seen Pete use that. I will keep an eye out for it. (laughs) He's just sulking because the place isn't that impressive. No one's there. So what the hell is he going to do now? And then the Raven shows up yet again. (laughs) Yep. Just fucking stares at him menacingly. But I think it's actually probably a good sign for him because he, despite everything, is actually quite loyal to Maleficent. Yep. I will say this. He is tenacious and he is definitely more competent than fucking Oogie Boogie. So <laughs> and I don't and I think he might be immortal. Yeah, that's probably also the case. <laughs> He's certainly older than all the other Disney villains. When you're 99 percent of slapstick, though, and it kind of gives you protection from actual serious results. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, once we take control of our heroes, we discover that a lot of people and ducks from Final Fantasy have moved back to Hollow Bastion. <sighs> <laughs> I'm not letting it go. Scrooge is here along with the nephews, Huey, Dewey, and Louie. So Scrooge was not in Kingdom Hearts 1, but he is here. I, be, I am left to assume that this is where he lives. We basically don't get very far. It's only heartless jump us when the weirdest so-called security system ever starts hitting. Before that, we run into Yuffie, who has now changed into her Advent Children clothes. We have a movie to promote. Yep, that's the other thing that we have to promote right now is the movie. So that's going to be a thing for everyone who it's available for. Poor Leon. Yep. Yeah, Leon still has his old clothes. There's lots of heartless in town. As Jared said, there's a terrible security system. It's like these, I would describe it as, it's like these white balls appear in the sky, turn into a hex, and kind of fly down and hit something. Do they even damage enemies? I never yes, they do. observed. They juggle enemies. They juggle enemies and damage them, yep. 
but I never seem to notice it. <laughs> it's so random. It's like you don't notice it. Yeah. Well, anyway, you Phoebe drags us over to Merlin's place because Merlin apparently came over as well. Traverse Town must just be abandoned. Yeah. Oh, Traverse Town is the t- place for in between worlds. People who don't have any place to go. Now that Hall of Bastions is back up and running, all the people can go back home. Yeah. Traverse Town is just where the interdimensional Flotsam and Jetsam shows up. Yep. So who's showing up there now and who's helping them? <laughs> um, We will talk about that in Dream Drop Distance. Oh, boy. So anyways, we find Arif, Sid, and Leon all over at Merlin's place, just kind of vaguely fixing shit. Yep. Merlin has a really sweet computer in his house, which is interesting. They kind of, it's kind we get a little bit of dialogue saying that everybody kind of forgot about Sora, Donald, and Goofy. And then suddenly, just a little while ago, everybody remembered them all at once. And they're like, wait, what happened to those guys? Yep. This is the first time that we hear Sid's voice in Kingdom Hearts. Because he didn't have any voice cutscenes in Kingdom Hearts 1, as I recall. Right. And I do not like Sid's voice in Kingdom Hearts. He's kind of doing the old man gravelly voice. <laughs> he, he's he's kind of doing an old man gravelly voice, but he sounds like a yokel doing it. Like, <laughs> he, he doesn't sound cool. And Sid is supposed to be cool, damn it. <laughs> Insofar as a guy that is abusive to his wife, question mark? Oof, Ooh, that's a loaded thing. I sometimes wonder if the translation was a little worse than that than it should be. But do you have any deep knowledge of that? Uh, I don't remember. My personal vote for the least cool Sid, however, is probably the Final Fantasy VI Sid. However much I like the character, I can't get over that weird raincoat hood thing that he No, wears. no, the least cool Sid is Final Fantasy VIII because that guy's a jackass. After all that, uh... You know, basically, they we kind of get the idea that everyone else in the universe was affected by Namine's memory fuckery in Castle Oblivion. Yep. And, you know, basically, Sora, for all intents and purposes, stopped existing in people's memories for a while. I mean, we, we saw a hint of that with Kyrie in the first section where she was only just remembering him again. But this confirmed was widespread. <laughs> and after that little bit of dialogue, we all get Mickey Mouse Club membership cards. Are they fast passes? Can they work on the rides? No. What? So, yeah, Rise of the Resistance, you're going to be waiting in line like you're supposed to be. But Arif says these are Hollow Bastion Restoration Committee Honorary Member Cards. (laughs) That's a name. What is the acronym? H-B-R-C-H-M. You can't pronounce that. You need to come up with a backronym, Arif. You know this. But here's the thing. Do they do anything? Okay, okay. We need to come up with a backronym right fucking now. That is a better name than this. So what is it? So the idea is this is Hollow Bastion Restoration Club, right? Yeah. So are you going to use cheat acronyms or use extra letters or? Um, what I would do personally is I would try to backronym up the word Bastion and do it. Okay. 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 That's a lot of letters. B-A-S-T-I-O-N. <laughs> Bureau of Assessing. Um, Bureau Building. of Assessing. Okay, you go. Building and sustaining the integrity of <laughs> All right, my turn then. <laughs> Bureau of Assessing and Sustaining um, Township Industry or Hmm. Organizing Nexus. 
Oh, I know, I know. Bureau of Assessing Stress Threats into Obliterating Nobodies. Yes! <laughs> I did it! <laughs> Hooray. And then Leon tells us we're supposed to meet him at the Bailey, and he just walks off without waiting for us. What's a Bailey? What is a Bailey? <laughs> a Bailey is kind of a... I believe an inner wall around a courtyard, more or less. I'm not sure. I know it's there's a particular kind of castle or fort design called a Mott and Bailey, but and it involves, yeah, it involves having a weaker uh, outer wall that is intended to be penetrated, and then everybody retreats to an inner keep that you know essentially has like some really nasty ways to rain destruction upon whatever's in the outside. And the more you know. Yeah. And also Merlin gives us our blizzard spell back. Yes, the magic system for this game. It's, yes. It's much better. Kingdom Hearts 1 had this very typical MP system. And the only way you could build it back is by wailing on enemies. And it took a really long time. I did not like it. Kingdom Hearts 2 gives you a flat pool of MP that is used until it hits zero. And then it starts to refill automatically. When it's refilling, you can't use any magic at all. What this does is it basically makes a gameplay flow out of when you're using magic and when you're not using magic. And there are certain abilities that are even in the game that will work with when you have MP or when you don't have MP. It actually encourages you to use magic because it's essentially a free resource that you lose out on if you don't use it. Yep. Also, it makes using cure feel like a way more tricky decision because cure uses all your MP no matter what even if you have one MP remaining, which also means that you can spam magic down to almost nothing, then use cure and have the same effect. Yep. And in fact, there is an ability that if you get to zero MP, it makes you stay at one MP so you can still use cure. I don't remember that ability. Or maybe I'm thinking of something else. You might be thinking of Kingdom Hearts 3. I don't remember. Okay. Um, I thought I there was that. I don't think, I don't remember that in Kingdom Hearts 2, but I do remember one ability called... Um, Berserk Charge, I think it is. Mm. What Berserk Charge does is when your MP is refilling, you don't do combo finishers anymore. You just do regular moves and your attack power goes way up. Ah. Gotcha. So you can essentially string together huge combos. You can string together huge combos because you don't like and enemies will just be in perpetual stun lock during this entire time. This is That's really true. useful in a lot of optional boss fights. Yes. All things considered, it really seems like the changes are to encourage a more aggressive, action-heavy play style. The lore explanation for the new MP system is that Sora's new clothes are gathering energy when he runs dry. Neat. They explain how it absorbs other people. Don't touch them. <laughs> Sora's clothes just consume all things. So Leon ends up taking us to the Bailey, and outside the wall is a really, really huge blob of darkness. Yep. It, it's kind of weird looking. Like, you see the castle, and you see it looks like a trench around it, and it kind of looks like an undifferentiated mass. But I think it's supposed to be saying it's a giant Heartless army yep. just hanging out. Yep, it's just a whole fucking mess load of Heartless. Mostly shadows. But then he points to the like if you turn to left, but you see a couple of a couple of dust just slinking down the road, and their walking animation looks like they're just being casual, just walking along. Goofy is like, "Oh right, there's new bad guys. Organization thirteen. Yeah, Sora's worried about Pete. Goofy retained the ones that were apparently terrifying. Yeah, and once Goofy mentions Organization thirteen, the leader just ends up being like, "You called." Well, not yet, not yet. We still have to do the tower defense mini game before they all show up, right? Yep, you have to protect the gate from a bunch of Heartless that are coming in to wreck your shit. 
Dusks, actually. It's it's no. Oh, dusk. Sorry. Yeah, it is dusks. Is there also samurai in the mix? I forget. I think there's samurai in the mix, but I don't remember. Yeah, I'm really not sure about that one. <laughs> anyway, so after you beat them, you get the fire spell, which so Blizzard is now your uh, single target long distance attack, where which is taking the place of fire from the last game. Fire is a swirly shield that's, that spins around you and hits things. Yep. Fire is hard to use in this game. It's great when you're crowded. It's good when you're crowded, but like it's very hard to use it in its base form. I will say I've seen high level strats that use it terrifyingly well, though. Yeah, yeah. Like um, there are some fights where you learning how to use fire correctly will just make bosses melt. It's one of the only spells that does multiple hits per cast. Yeah, it's really strong. Yeah. Once you've defended the Bailey and get the fire spell, Organization 13 shows up. Got about, yeah, six cloak guys, all various heights, just kind of hanging out. Swords is like, yeah, OK, now let's just fight. Let's get this game over with already. One's like, oh, we could. I wanted to be buddies. One of the less serious sounding Organization 13 members gets in Donald's face to say some cryptic shit about Roxas at Sora. <laughs> and he literally starts with oopsie daisy. That scene, it just kind of plays out. They mock the kid. They have the they have a good giggle and then they're off. And then if the weirdest thing happens, our goofy membership cards to the Disney to the Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. Yeah, our beat our beating Ansem Seeker through investigation, observation, neutralization cards. I'm going to come up with a different one each time. Oh, boy. <laughs> it turns out that in order to unlock the, the roads to other worlds in each world, you need to find the biggest MacGuffin you possibly can. And that will produce a keyhole. Oh, no, actually, it's going to be the smallest MacGuffins you possibly can, because most of them are fucking tiny. And weirdly inconsequential. Yeah, like... Or shouldn't be, rather. These aren't even like MacGuffins, because, like, I don't even think the characters give a shit about them. <laughs> I swear Aerith just thought that the kid would be sad that they all forgot him, so they made him a little cute card. So Sora does a really cool, beautiful cutscene where he shoots the membership card with his keyblade, and it opens the door to new worlds. I mean, this one's a lot bigger. Like, you get, like, this big swirling vortex. The crown symbol appears beneath Sora. He shoots, and the keyblade appears in the air behind him. It's very dramatic compared to the first. And we get secret answer report number seven, for no good reason. While beings born of darkness and those lacking hearts may find them convenient, it is dangerous for others to make much use of the corridors of darkness. Darkness erodes the heart. In search of a place to proceed with my research and planning away from prying eyes, I found myself in Twilight Town. It is a quiet village, forgotten in the chasm between light and darkness. I situated myself in the basement of an abandoned mansion standing beyond the woods. My underground research resulted in one new discovery after another. When a heartless is born, the body and soul left behind are reborn into this world as a different being. They possess different intentions from their heartless brethren, and while it is unclear whether these sentient things are after, it would appear they are responsible for much bedlam in the world. My erstwhile friend the king and his subjects, along with a hero wielding the keyblade, are battling the heartless even as a new threat approaches. This new threat... They have given themselves a fitting name, I suppose. These non-beings. Nobodies. A great number of nobodies have lost human form, have had the heartless. Yet the nobody born of someone with a strong heart retains its shape, with but the faintest visible changes. It appears my betrayers have retained their human forms as nobodies, and are gathering more followers in hopes of furthering a new scheme. Organization 13 formed of 13 nobodies with my betrayers at its core, 
has divided into two. They are said to be carrying out some sort of research. Seeking to uncover the plans of this organization, I have decided to head for where six of its members have gathered, towering over the outer limits of the realm between darkness and light. Castle Oblivion. This note was written a year ago. This this secret answer report was written as Kingdom Hearts 1 was wrapping up and Chain of Memories is about to happen. What the fuck? So does that mean we know whoever the real Ansem is? Maybe. It's kind of implied that we should, unless he was just sort of like hiding in the shadows of Castle Oblivion with all the poo gas. I feel like there's a little bit more hints to be provided in the near future. Like right now, we're just getting the start of it. But like this, like this is also contained just like a a few more interesting tidbits, like talking about Twilight Town as like a place that's away from prying eyes, just away from everything. I'm like, but it's a it's also the biggest city that we've seen. There's a lot of people living in Twilight Town. I yeah, think. but the second we left it, we lost sight of it. We literally couldn't see it anymore. So, yeah. OK, so it basically it exists in a sort of say the line visual, a lot of Schrodinger's cat box of where you can or can't see it, depending on if you're looking for it. I don't know. Well, it's also in the as they said, in the chasm between light and darkness. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of makes it the perfect spot for doing shady research, doing shady research. Yep. So as Sora tells, like, comments to Leon that there's a new journey they have to go on, we kind of fade away from this scene for one last little hint. It's time for a final mix only scene in the chair room, in the chair room. Jared's favorite room. They're all popped into their chairs and, and they all get a chance to speak. None of them have hoods down. Do my eyes deceive me? Does he really have the power to wield the keyblade? He's nothing but a boy. Give him a chance. It means he's straight as an arrow. He's pure of heart, unlike all of us here. He better be, or else he's worthless. I, I truly hope he's enjoying himself on his adventure. Maybe he'd like a hand to determine his fate. Hey, as long as it works in our favor, we can let him do what he wants for now. Then we'll all jump in if he needed. Those are bold words coming from you. Are you saying you'll volunteer to take care of it if things go wrong? Huh? What? Me? No, you have the wrong guy. I'm not comfortable with that. You act as though you have a conscience. When was the last time any one of us felt anything? Truer words were never spoken. Well, I suppose the fun will have to wait. Do you know what happens to those who lose their true purpose? Inevitably, they destroy themselves. Gentlemen, the hero of the Keyblade has embarked on a new adventure. Make sure it is one he will remember. Now, go. Everyone poofs away. Yep. Yep. From my notes, I have this comment. This scene has the general tone of a chat room full of bored teens talking about who they're going to troll. <laughs> you, can tell all the, you can tell all different personalities. You have the one who's smug about himself, the one who thinks everything's a joke, one who thinks everything's a game, the, the one who's kind of the hanger on and so forth. The one who's just like always seeming angry all the time. Oh, your rage troll. Yeah, uh, just like cool anger all the time. And then there's their leader who has the deepest voice imaginable. Holy shit. Matt, you did your best, but <laughs> I'm nowhere near that deep. Yeah, like um, the leader of the organization is voiced by fucking Norio Wakamoto in the Japanese version, which is the voice you go to if you want 
what is the right metaphor I'm looking for here? Smoking for 30 years and also can roll their R's with rocks in their mouth. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it is a voice that just kind of is like, wow, that puts chest here on me just hearing about it. Yes, I'm going to try to get better at being both deep voiced and loud. But right now I'm 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 struggling with being one or the other. Yep. <laughs> so and with that, we're done with the start of this game. Then next week, we're going to go to a few new Disney worlds with some old friends from the last game. Friends. We learned that we had friendship even with our game mechanics. Yep. But until next time, I'm Jared. I'm John. I'm Matt. And remember, a good story is best enjoyed with friends. Thank you for listening to Backlog Dialogues. If you're enjoying our deep dives and discussions, be sure to leave a five-star review on the podcatcher of your choice. If you're really enjoying our deep dives and discussions, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash backlogdialogues. If you'd like to hear more episodes, you can find our archives at backlogdialogues.com. Special thanks to Eli for our theme song. Kingdom Hearts and all associated trademarks are the property of Disney and Square Enix. Please support the official release. gift cloak in the hood mm-hmm. <laughs> oof that's bad even for me